Today we're going to look at why some prayers are not answered. There are some hindrances that we know of and we want to look into that this morning. And I know we, we went through this whole thing about finding out the will of God first before we pray and then, uh, and then go with confidence. Confidence is faith. Uh, but sometimes doubt slips in there and then, uh, then we have a problem. And so uh, we, we, we cannot, uh, where faith is to fully trust God, uh, that he will do what he said he would do. And uh, so when you go to God, that's how we go. We go in, in full confidence that God is going to answer our prayer. Now, this, the fact that we know some things that hinder uh, the answer to prayer doesn't mean that we know it all. And uh, we don't use what we know to judge people who are struggling to have their prayers answered. We just leave that alone it's between them and God, and we can actually pray for them and or pray with them uh, rather than uh, judging them. So that's not our spirit to judge people. So we're going to go to our friend James, who is a difficult person. Uh, he's, 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 he just gives it to you the way it is. He adds nothing to it, takes nothing away from it. It is just the way it is with him. And so there in James chapter 1, and verses 6 to 8, it says, but let him ask in faith without doubting. For he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. Let not, let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. So there you have a double-minded. So part of him believes, part of him doesn't believe. And that is not, not, that's not how we go to God. We go with full confidence. So that's why it's so important that we first uh, determine the will of God. Then we have good ground to stand on. And uh, we know the will of God. And then uh, we look at the promises. We know the word of God. And then uh, we know what the will of God is concerning our, our petition. And so faith... Is, is an absolute requirement when we ask things of God. Uh, you, you cannot go to God without faith because actually our whole relationship with God is based on faith. Uh, it's trust. So e even our human relationships are built on trust. So we trust one another and when we build our relationship with God, is also built on trust. We trust Him. And so yeah, I think it's important for us to, uh, to study the character of God. Uh, know who God is, how God sees things, and uh, study His character. How does God uh, relate to us and, 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 and such things? So studying the character of God is, uh, is always a very good thing to do, knowing... See, when you know a person's character, you know 
how they will respond even without discussing that. And it's the same with God. And we learn a lot about his character in the Bible. So we've learned, our pastor in South Africa way back years, many years ago, he told, taught us uh, that if you come to a difficult question and the Bible doesn't give a clear answer on it, you always view it in, in the light of God's character. And that's always been very helpful to me. We know God is love, God is compassionate, uh, God is long-suffering, which means uh, he has patience with us, and so on. And when we begin to, 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 to understand God in the light of his character, it's a lot easier to trust him. So Hebrews 11 verse 6 is our next verse. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is, first of all, and that he is a rewarder. That's the answer to prayer of those who diligently seek him. So faith is, is that uh, absolute uh, requirement. Uh, the next verse is, is one that we've looked at a lot already. 1 John 5, verses 14 and 15. Read it at the top of page 15. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. Confidence is faith. Uh, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So it's interesting. He says, it doesn't say we will have the petitions. He says that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. So uh, it's already done, actually. Now, faith and doubt, don't, they don't make good uh, roommates. They don't live together at all. It's, 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 it's either or. And you either trust God or you don't. And that is, that's uh, why I said last time that when we, we, uh, we want to pray about things, that we, we prepare our prayer so that we can go in confidence, find out the will of God, and then uh, we go to him with, uh, with faith and confidence. Now, here's an interesting little story about the Israelites. Now, you remember when they came out of Egypt, they uh, went through the desert. They had a long journey. And uh, at, a, at some point, Moses sent spies into Canaan. They were pretty close already to go check out the land. Twelve of them, one from each tribe. And they came back, ten of them said, uh, it is a beautiful country, it's very prosperous, uh, they brought some grapes with them. But we cannot go because the people who live there are giants. And we look like grasshoppers in their eyes and in our own eyes. We, we cannot go. So two of them said, uh, we can go, we need to go. Caleb and uh, Joshua said, let's go. But because the majority ruled, they didn't go. 
Well, that cost them 40 years more in the desert. That whole generation had to die out because of their unbelief. Because they were looking at the giants and not at God's promise. And because they looked at the giants, they couldn't go. Now, the interesting thing about this whole situation is all 12 of them were right. The two who said, we can go, did go. And the 10 who said, we cannot go, didn't go. You see how, how faith determines your outcome. So here's a little uh, interesting passage in Hebrews, chapter 3, uh, reading from verse 16 over into chapter 4, verse 2. And he's talking about this story now. For who, having heard rebelled, talking about the Israelites, indeed, was not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. See, and that is the key there. They did not mix that word that came to us. The gospel means good news. The good news was, uh, you're going to go in and, and inherit this beautiful land that is, that is so prosperous, and uh, it's flowing with milk and honey, and, and it's yours. I'm giving it to you. But through their unbelief, they did not receive that good news with faith, believing God that he would fulfill his promise to them. They failed, and they all died in the wilderness. So the faith is a very important aspect uh, of our lives with uh, our walk with God. Mark 11, and this is after Jesus cursed that fig tree. So he cursed, he was looking for figs <coughs> and uh, didn't find any. And then he cursed the tree, and the next day, when they looked, they walked past the tree and they looked, and that thing was withered up, dead. In one day, just dried up. And so they drew his attention to it. And this, so Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God, for assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes those things, he says, will be done. He will have whatever he says. He will have whatever he says. Therefore, I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Believe that you receive them. He doesn't say believe that you will receive them. Believe that you receive them, and you will have them. So we believe we receive. So faith has a, has a different kind of a way that it works, you know. Uh, it, it almost is, you always look back at the cross and what Jesus accomplished at the cross. That's where everything changed for us. 
And when we study his death on the cross, especially from Isaiah 53, uh, but also in the New Testament, in the writings of Paul, you begin to understand that when Jesus died and his blood was shed, it was not only to give us eternal life. There was a lot more that he accomplished for us. And so we, we look back at the cross. That's where things began. That's where things actually already happened. That's where Jesus already purchased things for us. So it's a done deal. Uh, it only needs to manifest, but it's there. So we always look back at the cross and, and, and to see uh, what Jesus accomplished for us. And then we begin to uh, build our faith on it. Uh, and so when we, when we pray about things, you, you almost, as, it's almost when you read these passages, you go to God as if that moment that you pray, it's, it's already given to you. It just needs to manifest in the natural. It's there. Now, bringing it into the natural, of course, is, 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 uh, is the big deal. <laughs> now, I just want to go a little bit back here to, to this passage here in Mark, where he says, whatever, uh, he says, and does not believe in his heart, but believes those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. So, I think one of our problems is often like this. Uh, we pray and we might even pray with great confidence and so on. And as soon as we said, Amen, we start talking about our problem again. And then we have what we say, right? And you wonder why, why God is not answering the prayer because I may go in great confidence in my prayer, but for the rest of my day, I speak doubt. I, I, I almost exalt my problem. And so we must be careful uh, with what we say. There's a very interesting passage in John chapter 11. I will not go there now, but that is when Lazarus got sick. And they called for Jesus, and he didn't go right away. And he waited four days. And you, you follow, as you read through that chapter, and, and follow the conversations there. It's very interesting to note that uh, there's a lot of doubt in the disciples. Old Thomas said, let's go because they want to kill Jesus over there where they want him to go. Let's go and die with him. Stuff like that. Uh, but Jesus never doubted. Everything he said, you could see, he is speaking faith. He knew what was going to happen. And so eventually when he came to the grave where Lazarus was, he prayed. But he did not pray for Lazarus to be raised. All he said was, I thank you that you always hear me. 
That's what he said. See, and that's why it's so important that we need to know that God always hears us, not just when we pray, you know. Uh, it's just something that I, I, I think as humans we struggle with a little bit, that once we pray and we believe that we receive, we're going to talk about receiving our prayer, the answer to our prayer, and not our problem. So we need, to, we need to lay that off. Stop talking about your problem and talking about the prayer, the answer that is coming. That's, so Jesus said, you'll have whatever you say. And I mean, you cannot, we cannot fool God and have this, this wonderful, beautiful prayer. And then once we said, amen, we just go back into doubt, you know, and, and think that uh, God's just going to listen to the prayer and not to the rest of my day and what I say, you know. <laughs> it's interesting, uh, if you listen to yourself, it's, 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 it's quite interesting. I remember years ago, when we were young people, uh, we were visiting Gerda's parents, and I had a tape recorder, and I tape recorded the whole conversation we were having. And they didn't know that. And uh, when I played it back to them, they were very, <laughs> they were very angry because they listened to themselves. See, and and they never realized. You say you you don't realize the stuff you talk about all day. You know. So when we go in confidence, that's all we do. You know, when uh, Abraham, when God promised Abraham a son because they were barren, the two of them, and they were already old. But then God changed his name and changed his name into Abraham, which means father of many nations. Well, he had nothing. He had nothing. So you, know, you look at the whole situation from outside, that every time his wife called him, she called him father of many nations. And I mean, this whole thing just looked very, very foolish. But that is what happened eventually. So it's almost as if God forced them to continue say, continuously saying the right thing. Uh, and whenever they talk and that name came up, you know, it kind of strengthened their faith. They spoke faith all the time. So very, very important for us to uh, make sure that our heart is filled with faith all the time, not just when we pray. So once we know the will of God, then uh, uh, we don't give up. Sometimes people ask, how long do I pray? Well, it's, 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 not, it's not a simple answer, really, I think. Because sometimes, well, you pray until the answer comes. But sometimes you pray and you feel that there's almost, you know that you know God answered the prayer and uh, I don't need to worry about it anymore. Sometimes it's just a sense that, that you get when you, when you pray uh, that God's answered my prayer and I'm not, gonna, I'm not going to, to, to worry about it any longer. It's, it's answered. But uh, unless that happens, 
you just continue on and, and pray. And sometimes you wait long for, for some reason that only God knows. You know, Abraham waited 25 years for Isaac to be born. And by the time Isaac was born, it was way past the time that both of them could have children. They were too old. They were barren all their lives, but now they're also too old. So when it was completely impossible in the natural, that's when it happened. And so sometimes when we, we, come, we come to stand against the brick wall and there just doesn't seem to be a way out of it, we might be closer to our answer than we, than we think. So it's never a good time to give up. Uh, we just continue on and on and on. And, and we have several passages in the Bible where uh, we are being reminded not to, I think it's in Luke chapter 18, is that widow that wanted justice. And uh, Jesus said, you always pray, you never give up. You just continue on and on. And God will answer at the right time. So here we have Luke 18, uh, the last uh, text there on that page 15. It says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart, saying there was a certain, there was in a certain city a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterward he said within himself, Though I do not fear God, nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest by her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. And shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him? though he bears long with them. So uh, there's never a good time to give up. You just continue on and on. And at some point, the breakthrough will come and it will be worth all your trouble. So the next one we want to look at is asking a miss. No, that's asking for the wrong thing. Now we know that God cares about us and I, I, I don't believe for one moment that God is only interested in giving us the bare essential necessities to make it through life. Uh, God cares about us. He's a loving God. He's a generous God. But God does not spoil us. He's not going to spoil us and raise uh, a bunch of brats for the kingdom. He wants us to build our faith because we're going to need it at some point. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, it's just one of those things. And so, so we must be careful uh, uh, with what we ask. Now it has to do once again with the will of God. And our dear friend James touches on it. There in James chapter 4, at the top of page 16. He says, you lust and do not have. 
You murder and covet and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet you do not have because you do not ask. You ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures, adulterers and adulteresses. Do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity with God? Whoever therefore wants to be a friend of the world makes himself an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says in vain, the spirit who dwells in us yearns jealously? So, I think that speaks for itself. It's, it's a little, there's a little more to it, I think. You know, uh, I, I was raised in a Christian home. And we were taught both at home and in church that you, we don't mix with the world. And you were separate from them and we don't, we don't do what they do and we don't live like they do. So we were always separated. And in, in, in some way that was very good, but also it robbed us of opportunities to evangelize. So there is, there is something that we need to consider when we look at all of this. But I think what he wants to say here with this passage is that, you know, we understand that, as Jesus said also, that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. And so our, our interactions with, with non-believers and sinners is, is more uh, geared towards getting open doors to sow some seed for the gospel and, and eventually reach them. And not so much as just uh, being one of them and, uh, and live like they do and so on. I don't think that's a, that's a some, some people have that problem, but it's just something to consider. We cannot ask for things that will put us into that kind of category. I think, think that's what James is trying to tell us here. He says, uh, you do not know, uh, do you not know that friendship with the world is enmity of, uh, with God? That's concerning prayer. So just a little bit of a line that we, that we need to draw there. Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. So you cannot pray for things that, first of all, will separate you from God. <laughs> God's not going to answer that. Or give you things that will become a temptation to you and a stumbling block. So, you know, you steer away from that kind of stuff. So James 4 and verse 3 says you ask and do not receive because you ask amiss that you may spend it on your pleasures. I think that, that is where he sums up the whole thing. You spend it on your pleasures. So not good things to, to pray for. Kind of a bit of a cold shower on our prayer lives right there. <laughs> So uh, just something to look at. 
uh, as I said, James is not is not a guy that uh, beats around the bush. I mean, he's just a straight shooter. He gives it the way it is. So the next one is unforgiveness. Unforgiveness. God expects of us, of course, that we treat other people the way he treats us, or we expect him to treat us. And especially when it comes to forgiveness. So failure to love others or to forgive them are certainly stumbling blocks in our relationship with the Lord and certainly also in our prayer lives. So Luke 6, verse 35 and 36 Jesus said, we just read this passage the other day, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great, and you will be sons of the Most High. For he is kind to the unthankful and evil. Therefore, be merciful, just as your Father also is merciful. So, uh, kind of a difficult one. To master, but uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, we cannot expect God to forgive us if we don't also forgive those who offend us and sin against us. So, a uh, problem that Peter had, or kind of not a problem, but an interesting question in Matthew 18 there, then Peter came to him and said, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me, and I forgive him? Up to seven times? Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to, up to 70 times seven. That's wild. Oh, well, that is what, 490 times? <laughs> but I think God has forgiven us more than that, many more times yeah. than that. So we're going to read this parable over there in Matthew chapter 18. Matthew chapter 18 and verse 23. Matthew 18 and verse 23. Hmm? Yeah. You all have it? Okay, Matthew 18, verse 23. Therefore, the kingdom of heaven is like a certain king who wanted to settle accounts with his servants. And when he had begun to settle accounts, one was brought to him who owned him 10,000 talents, but he was not able to pay. <clears throat> but as he was not able to pay, his master commanded that he be sold with his wife and children and all that he had, and that payment be made. The servant therefore fell down before him, saying, Master, have patience with me, and I will pay you all. Then the master of that servant was moved with compassion, released him, and forgave him the debt. But that servant went out and found one of his fellow servants, who owed him a hundred denarii, and laid hands on him and took him by the throat, saying, Pay me what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down at his feet and begged him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will pay you all. And he would not, 
but went and threw him into prison till he should pay the debt. So when this fellow servants, his fellow servants saw uh, what had been done, they were very grieved and came and told the master all that had been done. Then his master, after he had called him, said to him, You wicked servant, I forgave you all that debt because you begged me. Should you not also have had compassion on your fellow servant, just as I had pity on you? And his master was angry and delivered him to the torturers until he should pay all that was due to him. So my heavenly father also will do to you if each of you from his heart does not forgive his brother his trespasses from his heart. Now we have a little expression that we that you sometimes hear in Christianity and that is forgive and forget. But the forget part is not in the Bible. The forgive part is. Uh, you're not going to forget that. And the devil will also make sure you don't forget. He will remind you and stir up hatred and all kinds of things. So, yeah, we forgive. And every time the devil comes back or it comes back to our memory, you forgive, over, you forgive all over again. You keep on forgiving. Keep on forgiving. That's all we can do. Because if we don't, then uh, we're going to have issues with our prayer lives. We need to forgive just as God forgives us. And uh, there's just no way out of it. Now, I know <clears throat> that it's not all that simple. It's, it's, it's often very difficult. There are deep offenses and so on. Things that people do to you. They are very, very hard to, to forgive. But uh, I think what helps us is that we look at ourselves and see how God forgave us for things that we did that offended him and that he continues to do so. Then, that, then it becomes a little easier. And it doesn't help to sit and meditate on it and all the wrong that has been done to us, we, you cannot meditate on, 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 keep on thinking about it, rolling it over and over in your mind. And You have to stop those thoughts from running around in your mind. You just cut them short. You have the power to stop thoughts that come to you and switch your mind and think on something else. And that's what we need to do. And every time it comes up, you say, well, no, I forgave that person. What it really means is I don't hold him accountable. I just let him go. Let him off the hook. And just as God did to me. I just let him go. So if there is justice to be done in that situation, uh, God will do. God will do it. Just, he's, he's even spoke and said, I will avenge. God will deal with it. We just leave it with him, let him do it. Because if we get involved, then uh, it just often blows up in our faith and the whole face and the whole thing, whole thing just becomes a bigger mess than it, than it ever was. So, uh, yeah, forgiveness is, uh, is something that, that we need to practice. So this is an incident <coughs> with Peter 
uh, he, uh, when Jesus was about to go to the cross, and uh, Jesus told him, he said, you're going to deny me three times. And he said, I'll, ne I'll never do that. I'll never do that. <laughs> well, it happened. Just when Jesus was at the most difficult time in his life, Peter denied him. So, as that, you know, just looking at it from a human point of view, it, it must have hurt very deeply in that moment to see Peter denying him. But he spoke to Peter after he rose from the dead. And look at what he said there, uh, there in John chapter 21. So he kept on asking Peter, do you love me? <laughs> That's a, kind of a loaded question after you denied him three times, you know, and asked him, do you love me? Well, it was, I think it was a little hard for Peter to answer that question. And he said, yes, of course, I love you. So he said to him the third time, Simon, son of Jonah, do you love me? Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? And he said to him, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, feed my sheep. And that is what he, he said all three times. So I think what I gather from this uh, little conversation there is that our love for the Lord for a great part, at least, is shown to those around us. We are the branches, and Jesus is the vine, right? And so we bear the fruit. And so the love that Jesus has for people comes through us. We show the love of God. We show the forgiveness of God. We show the compassion of God. Because he's not here to do it. He can only do it through us. And so what Jesus told Peter here, uh, he says, uh, he continued to say, feed my sheep, feed my lambs, you know, take care of them. Take care of the people that will be entrusted to you and, 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 and be good to them. And so that's how you, you cannot love God. And, and First John, the, uh, the epistle of John, talks a lot about this aspect that you cannot say you love God and then you don't love those around you. You cannot say that. Because when the love of God is in you, you're going to love as God does. And God loves everybody. Even the old sinners that run around outside. He loved us when we were sinners. And so that's the kind of love, and we will talk about that in a minute. Uh, but that is the love that we show to others. It's not a love that is deserved. It's, it's an unconditional love. That's the love of God. It's, the love of God is always unconditional. There are no conditions attached to it. Uh, human love has conditions attached to it, but not the love of God. So here, Peter is touching on that. There at the bottom of page 16. 1 Peter 3, verse 7. He also talks about the wives in a few verses prior to this one. It says, Husbands, 
Likewise, dwell with them with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel, and as being heirs together of the grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Can you see how even, even in that relationship, there are some things that impact our prayer lives? So, and I, I, I never liked that verse, to be honest with you. Because he says that dwell with them with understanding. How do you understand a woman? Hey, what do you mean? Because <laughs> many times they don't understand themselves. How do, can we understand them? <laughs> He's looking for trouble, right? <laughs> but I'm doing my best because I want my prayers answered. <laughs> so, uh, the verse speaks to husbands here, but of course, wives have the same uh, thing in there that they need to pay attention to, because God looks on the heart, and uh, he wants to show his love to others, especially to those who share their lives with us. So forgiveness uh, and, and all of that is uh, a very important part. Uh, we walk in forgiveness. And the thing with forgiveness is, is that you don't have to wait for someone to ask forgiveness because that might never come. Forgiveness is a gift. You give forgiveness as a gift and stop holding that person accountable for what they've done and go on with your life. Because most of the time, to be quite honest, they may have forgotten already what went wrong and they go on with their lives. But you're sitting with a problem. It's a, it's a weight that you carry and it destroys you if you don't let go of it. So it, it, it benefits ourselves when we just let go of it. Just let it go. Don't dwell on it. Don't meditate on it. Uh, and if it comes to mind, just, just once again forgive and move on to something else. Okay, the next point is the vision among uh, believers. And this is also actually a, quite a very important one. And that is like in a fellowship setting or a church setting, uh, when things go wrong, and, and uh, you know, I can just guarantee you things will go wrong. Sometimes there's a misunderstanding or somebody says something and there you have it. And it's just one of those things, we're humans and things go wrong. And sometimes uh, that brings the vision among us, and that should not be so. We should not allow anything to cause divisions among us. So you know that we are, as a group, as a church, as a fellowship, we are the body of Christ. And Paul says when he talks about the communion table, he talks about this. And it's very important for us uh, to know this because he says there in up there at the top the first Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 29 says for he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself so we were you know we were taught when I grew up in church so that means if we have sin in your life 
then you eat and drink in an unworthy manner. But that's not what Paul is talking about. He's talking about the visions. He's not talking about sin. Not, not that I condone sin, obviously, but that's not what he calls unworthy. The unworthiness is when we cause the vision. Even if it's just only in our hearts, there's the vision there. He says, for you eats and drinks in an unworthy manner, eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So uh, when I allow that division to come, let's say I have an issue with somebody, then I, I, I don't see that person as part of the Lord's body of which I am also a part. There's division there. Now look what he says. For this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. They died. Can you imagine that people die and are sick in the church because they caused divisions among believers? This, you know, and this is not something that's spoken of very often, but that there it is. So. Uh, when we have communion, then you know, we search our hearts, Paul talks about that, and we judge ourselves and make sure I don't have any divisions uh, uh, towards anybody uh, among us in the group. It says, for this reason, many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. So if you have something against somebody else and communion is served, it's either better to, well, you either quickly fix that problem or you skip communion. But you don't want to eat and drink judgment to yourself. That's what he's saying here. So if you read that whole chapter, not the whole chapter, but goes back to verse 17, from verse 17 and on, Paul talks about this. And uh, it's quite interesting that there were, there were divisions between rich and poor people. And the rich brought some nice food and the poor had nothing to eat or drink. And the rich had a lot of wine and they drank too much and became drunk and everybody else was sitting there. So that caused the visions. They separated themselves. And so social differences, things like that. You cannot look down on somebody else. Uh, that unity is extremely powerful. The devil will always attack that unity. And, and find a way to get in there and separate people, because he knows that once he's, he brought separation, that that power will be lost. And so it is something that we need to guard and make sure that uh, whatever goes wrong, that we fix it and get on with life. Here's a beautiful psalm, Psalm 133. It's quite short, but it talks about unity among believers. Says, behold, how good and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. It is like the precious oil upon the head, running down on the beard, the beard of Aaron, running down on the edge of his garments. 
It is like the dew of Hermon descending upon the mountains of Zion. For there the Lord commanded the blessing. So when he talks about Aaron and the oil, and because the priests were anointed with oil, and when you look at this anointing that was on Aaron, I mean, that was not just a drop of oil. They showered this man in the oil. He just ran down his beard and his, and his garment. So uh, what the oil, and we will get to that maybe next week even, uh, the oil represents, it's a, it's a symbol for the Holy Spirit. And, and his presence on your life. You sometimes hear people talk about the anointing. What they really mean by that is the presence of the Holy Spirit. Uh, upon a meeting or upon a person or so, you'll sense that something is happening in the Spirit now. You can, you can almost feel a switch taking place where you go from the natural to the spiritual. It's almost as if a dimension is added when the Holy Spirit begins to manifest Himself in some way. And uh, it's very edifying, it's very comforting, it is just a boost of, to, to your faith, and you leave, you just leave a different person. So that anointing, uh, the psalmist here says that that unity is like that anointing. It's just a generous, abundant anointing that comes upon people that stay together in unity. It's the presence of the Holy Spirit is there and uh, to do whatever he wants to do. He guides us, he teaches us, uh, he strengthens us. There's so much that he does. And uh, we will talk about that later on. So one of the, uh, just like this, a teaching on prayer, we have one in worship, I think, next, and then, then the one after that is on the Holy Spirit, where we're going to take a deep dive into the Holy Spirit, both as a person and in the work that he does in us and through us. And we're going to go with a magnifying glass through Scripture because there's a lot of wrong teaching that went out uh, on that topic. Uh, but we're going to go through Scripture and, and just see what the Bible says about it. Okay, the, I think this is the last one. Giving up. Giving up. Yeah. So... I wanted to say giving up too soon, but giving up is always too soon. So you don't give up. You, you continue to pray. Now, Jesus told the parable, we just mentioned that, of that widow who refused to give up. She just would, would not give up. And we mentioned Abraham, who, went, uh, who trusted God for 25 years. And, and during those 25 years, things actually went backward for him. He, was, he became older and older and older. And, and so with Sarah, they were already old and barren. I mean, you're talking about a totally impossible situation here. 
But he refused to give up. He refused. And actually I want to read from Romans chapter 4. I want to read more than we have in the notes. Because this man was just amazing. He was just stubborn. He was just stubborn. Refused to give up. Romans chapter 4. And let's read from verse 13. Romans 4 and verse 13. Says, for the promise that he would be the heir of the world, that's Abraham, was not to Abraham or to his seed through the law, but through the righteousness of faith. For if those who are of the law are heirs, faith is made void and the promise of no effect. Because the law brings about wrath, for where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, it is of faith that it might be according to grace, so that the promise might be sure to all the seed, not only to those who are of the law, but also to those who are of the faith of Abraham, who is the father of us all. It's talking about laying hold of the promise. Of course, God made this promise to Abraham before the law even came. But Jewish people... And many of us, actually, we still think that we can earn things by being good and by reading the Bible and, like, you know, and doing all the right stuff that we need to do. But that's not how we receive favor from God. Favor from God is always a gift. It's always free. Verse 17. As it is written... I have made you a father of many nations in the presence of him whom he believed, God, who gives life to the dead and calls, now look, and calls those things which do not exist as though they did. That's a very important little line there. Calls those things which do not exist as though they did. And that's why God changed Abraham's name to father of many nations. I mean, he had nothing. Uh, but he heard it all day long. I'm the father of many nations all day long. For 25 years he heard that. Verse 18, who contrary to hope, in hope believed, so that he became the father of many nations. According to that was uh, to that was to what was spoken, so shall your descendants be. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body. He did not look at his circumstances. He did not move him. It did not impact his faith. He, his faith was one hundred percent in what God said alone. And not being weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about a hundred years old 
and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully convinced, there it is, that what he had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, you know, just putting yourselves in, in, in Abraham's shoes, it's almost as if this was a very unfair thing that God did to this man. You know, make him a promise and just let him get older and older and older and older. And then, you know, uh, it's impossible now. I mean, it's just impossible. But he believed that what God promised, he was also able to perform. And see, we have promises. We have promises too. And we need to believe that God is able to perform it. Verse 22, and therefore it was accounted to him for righteousness. Now it was not given, not written for his sake alone that it was imputed to him, but also for us. It shall be imputed to us who believe in him, who raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered up for, because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification. So, uh, there's our father of faith, Abraham, a man who never gave up. Even though things just became worse, uh, he just had his faith fixed on God, and uh, there was no way that he would uh, let go of it. And then Isaac came. Isaac was, I mean, you know, he tried to help out God, you know that. And they got the slave girl, and he raised a boy with a slave girl. They thought, maybe God misunderstood, you know, maybe God didn't have it quite right. So let's make a plan. And then they got the slave girl, and he had and this boy uh, with, with the slave girl. But that's not what God said. The promise was made to the two of them. And even though they messed up, and even though they were way past due, their childbearing age, God did fulfill that promise. So he's a, there's a verse there over Numbers, I believe, where, where it says, God is not a man that he should lie. He will do what he said he would do. And so, we, we, we will build our faith, we continue to build our faith as we continue to study and we get into the Word of God and uh, we begin to see answer to prayer, it builds our confidence and we just go on and on and on and build our faith. So, you know, Jesus spoke about what he called the disciples, oh, you of little faith. And so, there is something like little faith. And there's all kinds of faith when you read that, uh, that you read about in the Bible. And so we will pay attention to that sometime later on. But uh, we all start at some point and then start building from there. Because God gave us, each one of us, a measure of faith. 
every one of us as a measure of faith. And there is something there that we can use to you start with what you've got and you begin to use it and grow it. That's how, that's how it goes. Okay, let's stop there for today. Next time we'll talk about things that we need, don't need to pray for or shouldn't pray for. Okay, are there any questions on any of this?